Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hit Recap and Review Podcast. Good. Weird. Great, baby. I am your host for this episode, Jesse Wind, and joining me all the way from the terrifying rotoscoped wastelands of Texas, Patrick Ramirez. Uh, oh, man. What, what just happened? How did I get here? Who am I? Also joining me from a scary mountaintop that's shaped like a skull, John! Wait, are we recording a podcast right now? Well, now I'm not sure. I think so. What's a podcast? Are we recording a podcast about the fucked up dream I just had? Were you in my dream? Oh, man. That was insane. I need to see if I can make a call on my phone right now, because that's usually how I can tell if I'm dreaming or not. If the call doesn't go through, I'm in a dream. Did your guys' dream have a lot of people without pants on? There was selective pants wearing, for sure. In my dream, everybody's teeth were individually rendered and outlined, and it was freaky as fuck. They were, they were individually realistic somehow. <laughs> uh, it, it was almost like it was a waking dream, you know? A waking is my, one. Is somebody... Then whose titties did I see? <laughs> every, every... Actually, mainly one person's <laughs> throughout this movie. <laughs> there was, there was, was my, a few titties, but yeah, mostly but one mainly, pair. Mainly one pair, yeah. In your dream? One pair and one cheeks. <laughs> Guys, I'm okay. starting to think that the dream we all had might be the 2022 movie, The Spine of the Night. That would make more sense than... I. I just assume we shared a DMT pen. <laughs> that, that would make more sense if that name somehow made more sense of the movie I just watched. Wait, the spine of night. The spine of night. Yes. Okay. Let's. What? What do you think this shared hallucination should have been called? Then. Where are my pants? <laughs> <laughs> Acid trip. Colon. The movie. Colon. Lord of the Rings. The Legacy of the Sons. Ooh. Or just maybe Legacy of the Sons. I, I would call it DMTI uh, 1650. What the fuck is the I? <laughs> the I is like the main, you know? like. Oh, I thought you meant the letter I. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> I mean, like, it was like, a, it was like a CPU joke or something. <laughs> the, all, the all-seeing DMTI. That's what it should be called. DMTI, yeah. F- flower Child. <laughs> no. The horror <laughs> no. and the stars. Hmm. What movie are we talking about? I don't even fucking know anymore. John, tell me more about this dream. Uh was Lucy so Lawless in it by chance? I yeah, she was. Oh, yeah. I had this I had this <laughs> fucked up dream where a bunch of swamp people got murdered. That was like the first thing that happened. Mm. Wait, was that the first thing that happened? That Probably was the not. first thing. That's that ha- the first I thing know. I remember, though. Did you watch Mad Max Fury Road instead of the movie we were supposed to watch? <laughs> no, they were like not that kind of swamp people at all. And also, uh, Joe Manganiello was in it as a guy who didn't mm, have a dick. Literally, I think. Daddy, he didn't have a dick. No, he had pants, or he had a loincloth and they, some. No, they called tights. him the Eunuch King later after he took over. Well, that's not. That's not wait. him, right? What the fuck? I thought the guy he works for is the eunuch king. Yeah, that's what I thought, I thought too. Died, the guy that had so his he... face melt. 
No, he was dead by that point and like sucked up into the swamp. So Joe Manganiello was the fuck? unit king. I think I so. I thought they were talking about someone else. Oh, I thought they I called s- him like the mongrel eunuch king or something. Is anyone like still that. listening? <laughs> 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 oh, hold on, let me go back. The spine of night clip with the quote "Great mongrel, the eunuch king has died." What the? F- Wait, are you looking up my dream on the internet? Yeah, d- uh, that's I weird. I typed all right? the things you said into Chat GPT. <laughs> okay, <laughs> perfect. Uh, no, so the blind guy was talking to uh, our empathetic scholar, um, played by the grandma from Get Out, um, who is Betty Gabriel. So the blind guy was talking to Betty Gabriel, and he said, Great mongrel, the eunuch king has died. So I'm not sure if there's a comma in that or not. I did not hear anything you just said, Jesse. Can you say I that think- again? I think it's going through the Audacity, but probably not through Discord. Jesse, something's weird with your mic. Uh, d- d- I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> out, out, oh, out of character. Uh, <laughs> this, everything's fine. Nothing's on fire. It's everything's probably just the fine. Input device. It's just Discord, I think. Yeah. So I was saying the the blind guy is talking to the one empathetic scholar that we have in this who is played by the grandma from get out Betty Gabriel. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Boom. And when he's talking to her, he goes great mongrel. The unit King has died. And I can't tell if he's calling her a mongrel or not. No, I think he's talking about, um, Joe Manganiello. You're hundred percent right. right. Yeah. right. Yeah, his character I is not. I now need to rewatch your dream a second time to fully comprehend what <laughs> John, has happened. Can you go to here. sleep right now, John, so I can get a yeah. replay? Yeah, and it's crazy because, like, in when I when I had the dream, I was hearing Joe Manganiello's voice, and so I automatically assumed he had a big dick the whole time. And when I found out later that he was a eunuch, that was a huge twist for me. Actually, that's that's how you knew you were dreaming. That's the giveaway. yeah, ex- exactly. That was that was when I started lucid <laughs> dreaming, and I. Never mind. So I knew it was a dream. So everybody, all three of us, have you ever seen Inception? So we all went to sleep together at the same time. And we were in John's dream. Is that what happens when Christopher Nolan kisses you goodnight? Because that's what happened last lips. night. Yeah. No, yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. That's why my yeah. dream was so weird. Yeah. He always he sends a raven. And when the letter arrives, I know I have a fortnight until my forehead kisses. Um. Because as we know, Christopher Nolan does not use a phone. He travels by handsome. Yes. Um, and then so when John, when when Joe Manganello showed up and he rolled a D twenty and it was a crit and then he was like critical on taking this dick and then he bent me over the sofa. That's when I realized it was a dream. But until that moment, I was like fully. This is just real life. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys watch that happen or was I just? No, by myself. No, I mean, I didn't like that part as much, honestly, because I was like, why is Jesse in my dream? You know, I did. I oh, didn't, fair, I fair, didn't fair. notice. You, I didn't notice you on the couch, Jesse. I was um, busy staring at the swamp people. Oh, yeah. So if you look closely in that scene, there's you can actually see another version of Joe Manganiello's character off to the side. Are and you he, telling me what I can see in my version of your I'm saying you could my have recollection you just, of your dream? If you could have if you just like looked ten feet to the left, but you were just focused on the swamp people the whole time. 
Yeah, we were sharing one dream space, so what, you could have. What's it called when you inception other people's remembrances of a shared dream sequence? Inceptioning. Inception. Inception. Devilception. The Spine of Night is a 2021 American <laughs> adult animated dark fantasy horror film written and directed by Philip Gellett. And there's no way I said his last name right. And Morgan Galen King. It stars a few people you might have heard of, like Richard E. Grant, Lucy Lawless, Patton Funny Man Oswald, Betty Get Out Gabriel, and Joe Critical 20 This Dick Manganello. The film was completed using rotoscoped animation and traces the centuries-long journey of a magic plant that bestows terrible power upon the user as it inspires despots, empires, and black magic. What is rotoscoping, you ask, Patrick? It's uh, an animation technique where... Wait. <laughs> what is that, rotoscoping? I, I thought that pause was going to be longer. <laughs> Go ahead. What is rotoscoping, you ask, Patrick? Jesse, did you inception my answer? Because that's exactly what I was going to say. It's an animation technique where artists hand draw over live action footage, frame by frame. It was a style that came into prominence in the late 1970s and early 1980s. But for this movie, the drawings were created on a computer. They stuck to the classic style of 12 frames per second with the animation, as is usual, and rotoscoping. Uh, the hand animation for this movie took seven years. And uh, holy Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, oh, the, yeah, the movie was almost lost also when uh, King's computer had an automatic Microsoft Windows system update that was updating when he slept. Uh, so, fuck, boy, that just it just that happens to everybody. No backups. Come on. God, I thought Y2K was bad. You guys heard about when like uh, Pixar almost lost all of Toy Story because someone incorrectly uh, entered like a Unix prompt or. A, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it started deleting all the backups at Pixar, and the only reason they got to keep the movie is because a lady took a copy of it home to work from home. Jesus. Wild. Wild shit. Um, uh, rotoscoping, uh, like I said, traditional in the late 1970s, early 1980s. Uh, this movie was inspired by the art styles of Frank Frazetta, who is one of the most important and profound artists of the modern day. Uh, and was also inspired by the works of Ralph Bakshi, who did a bunch of adult animated films. Um, most famous, probably the movie Fire and Ice from 1983. Uh, let's dive into first impressions. Uh, I always go with Patrick, so I'm going to slide this over to John. That I'm is offended. highly I'm offended right now. I quit that this is, podcast. That is highly... <laughs> I'm pissed off for you, honestly, Patrick, but it's okay. I, I'm a professional. I can move on. Um, I am not very versed in the adult animation genre, nor for in uh, rotoscoping, or really animation in general, I'll say. <laughs> also, I don't like to podcast and I, also I don't like podcasts. Podcasts. and I don't like, and I don't these like two watching people. things I don't like either of you good I day. hate both of you good day I say sir <laughs> what about uh, have you, what about like heavy but metal you guys ever know, saw that? sorry I spoke over you 
No, go ahead. We'll delete all this. What I do know <laughs> is a thing or two about fantasy. And this, my friends, is some fantasy-ass fantasy that I can get Woo! behind. So that's my first impression. Fuck yeah, boy. I'm just going to title this podcast Fantasy Ass Fantasy. That's the new name. It writes itself. It writes itself. I actually really like that name. Um, Patrick, what did you think of this freaky deaky flick? It's definitely fantasy. I'd say it's um, kind of like, I, I don't know, drug-induced fantasy is what I think of. Um, I thought it was pretty good. It's, it's entertaining. Uh, I've got more things to say. <laughs> I've got. Oh, do you? I I shall not. I shan't be saying them right now. Mandy. Okay, then. I'm saying the word Mandy. Mandy. I'm saying the word Mandy. Mandy. Does Mandy. This give you Mandy vibes? Does this mean something? Yeah, it extremely did give me Mandy vibes. How so? Wait, like Mandy from D and D, Mandy. No, you silly goose. Oh, <laughs> They're not part of the canon of our podcast. <laughs> Mandy, no, I mean, the Nicolas Cage movie, correct? Oh, okay. I mean, that whole movie is sort of supposed to be like a commentary on fantasy with like, because that's how it starts is like the chick is like super into fantasy novels and she's like reading it constantly. And then that's what she uh, talks to the cult leader about. And also, oh, yeah. the enemies, even aesthetically, are kind of similar to the ones in Mandy. Man, yeah, Mandy does get, like, real fucking metal by the end. Yeah, in similar ways to this is... is For sure. You know, ex- also how I'm looking at it. And and, and like you said, those enemies... Uh, actually, I never put this together before, but those are some real Frank Frazetta-looking uh, enemies. Like, the... You either know what I'm talking about or you don't know what I'm talking about. And so I'm sorry and you're welcome. But yeah, let I, I'm I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, boom! Have you have have you heard of the cult horror film They Remain, John or Patrick? It rings a bell, but I Negative. haven't seen it or know what it's have about. Have you heard of the science fiction mystery drama Europa Report? I have seen that. Holy fuck! I got one of them. <laughs> so, Spine of the Night uh, was directed by Philip Galat and Morgan Galen King. Uh, who and uh, uh, who also wrote King? Sorry, <laughs> there's so. Oh, I'm deleting all of this. Oh God. Uh, Galat wrote Europa Report. One of the directors of this movie wrote <laughs> Europa Report. <laughs> he, I, he also wrote. I now 15, know that he also wrote 15 episodes of Love, Death, and Robots. <gasps> okay, I love that show. Me too. Wow, how have we not done that show on this podcast? That's kind I of incredible. That was gonna light up some some little oh, LEDs man. in your mind, but I was trying to save that for last. I was hoping one of you knew, knew about any of the other projects. Wow, these people had I didn't on. know they did fifteen episodes. That's like three That's seasons, basically, right? Two and a half seasons. Yeah, I, I'm gonna. I'll have to look into it more, but yeah, it says he wrote the script for fifteen episodes, which is like, dude, that's a lot. That's a lot dude. of that show. Yeah. Um, if you uh, are like me and you're listening to this, uh, and you don't know what a Frank Frazetta is, you should look up the album art for the Wolf Mother al- album that came out in 2006 of the same title, Wolf Mother by Wolf Mother. Uh, this shit is fucking dope. <laughs> it looks so cool. Um, yeah, I, he did a lot I, I, of album art and 
movie posters and they all look yeah. sick as hell. God, he is just one of a kind. Like people study him and his techniques and his style and his like construction of images and his rendering of like human bodies to this day. And his art sells for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. If not like one of his last pieces sold for $660,000. And he's just like, some people are like God Kings of an era or a medium because they started something. Um, but this man just took motherfuckers to school. It's disgusting. Absolutely. Please, I'll, I will Venmo you $1 if you tweet at me and tell me that you looked up Frank Frazetta's art. Um, please, please, please email the podcast. And I'm looking through cool his art, hair. too, and I see the influence because the vibes are so strong, and this movie is so full of vibes. Fuck yeah, mm-hmm. dude. Changing this to a Frazetta podcast. Fuck all this. What if it was about vibes? The vibe cast. Ooh. Vibes, vibes, vibes. <laughs> wow. Vibecast. I like that. Fantasy as fantasy. A vibes cast. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so this movie begins with Zod. Tzad? Mm, I don't know if we're gonna if I'm gonna do this the whole episode or not. You can just call um, her Zod, although when she said it, it almost like she said Zot. I thought she said Zot, Zot too, yeah. And I like reading your... it makes is very confusing, yeah. Um also I forgot that's what Lucy Lawless looks like. She was Xena, right? Yeah, so this movie's main protagonist is Xena, warrior princess, playing a witch named Zot, who grew up, lives in a magical swamp. Uh they live in concert with the land. They uh, have a balance with nature and the resources and they respect one another and live at peace. And as soon as she leaves the comfort of actually is driven out of the comfort of her swamp by invaders, um, this whole story begins and flies off the rails immediately. Um, I would say uh, the movie starts with her climbing a snowy mountain and at the peak in a giant skull, she confronts the guardian who's guarding a mystic blue glowing flower known as the bloom. The guardian initially threatens her and tries to drive her away. And she shows that she has an identical flower and starts to explain that her people found this, um, uh, found a seed that turned into this bloom. And then our whole movie slowly starts to, uh, uh, unravel as she's like, great ancient warrior do you have time to hear my story to hear how i came to find you um and then she tells the events that led her here um do you have anything to say before i get to the next part uh no uh soon after uh a renegade scholar named gal sor shows up who is this just micro brew drinking looking motherfucker whose voice does not match his face whatsoever. And by the end of the movie, I was fine with it. But when he first started talking, I was like, the fuck is this? He looks like Babish from binging with Babish. I'm glad you have a reference point for this. Cause I was just like, man, now I don't know who Babish is. So I don't want to say anything mean. Cause it's going to immediately insult this person. <laughs> he's a skinny, skinny little dweeby boy with a beard and a bald head and that voice, man. 
Um, oh yeah, the the voice for Gal Sur is nope. Had it in my notes. There it is, Jordan Douglas Smith, who I know from nothing. Half the actors <laughs> from this are really famous, and half the actors from this have six credits on IMDb. Get to have with, a hyperlink like, on your name for us to know who you are. He struck me as like a video game voice actor or something like that. He probably uh, has I, like 500 credits to his name and like we just are ignorant. No, no, no. I'm telling you, he has six credits to his name. One of them is this movie. And then four of the five other things he was in don't have images on fucking IMDb. Oh, they're like short movies that he padded yes. on his IMDb. Yes. Yeah. One of them is probably a thing me and John filmed in high school. Um... So, uh, 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 Jesus Christ. An army confronts her and this scholar and throws them both in prison. Uh, Lord Pyranton, played by Patton Oswald, wants the magic from this witch. She asked her, his right-hand man, his enforcer, the mongrel Joe Manganiello, uh, to retrieve her and bring her back. He seemed angry that that the people of her land respected her so much and he needed to know why. So he slaughtered the rest of her tribe and had her brought back to him alive. I think that was actually mostly the eunuch that did that. Like it seems like I don't know, the the vibe I got was he just sent them in there to kill all the savages, quote unquote, uh their words. And Joe Manganello was the one who realized that she was magic when he saw the blue fire. And he was like, oh, I'm bringing her back alive. And then the king was about to, like, whip her to death or whatever. You know what I mean? And he was like, Mm -hmm. wait, wait, wait. She has magic. Show him the magic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Now, in retrospect, I because in that moment, it seems like he's trying to get his... uh, He seems like he has some kind of indentured servitude muscle man agreement with the current lord and it seems like he's low-key trying to set up a situation where someone could kill that guy and free him yeah so yeah right what's up i was just saying when you say kill that guy which guy are you talking about uh the tyrant lord pyranton seems like the mongrel wants him dead yeah i think but doesn't want to kill him himself the, the mongrel just sees him as a weak king that's what i thought it's not that he has agreement with anybody else it's just that he sees him as a weak king that can be overpowered given the correct timing. That's what I thought. For sure. Yeah, I don't think he's doing it for anyone else but himself. Right, right, right. Because right, th- yeah. th- there's some situation implied there where he is in debt to that man and works for him and cannot leave. I thought um, he was just like a member of the King's Guard kind of kind of feely thing, you know? Or just like, you know what, I'm here because this is a cushy job and this guy's a moron, but like it, this job pays well. And when the time strikes right, like I'll I'll just kill him or someone else will kill him and then I'll just like... Well, there was actually a part where Pyrantin is like, you're going to serve me until you die, mongrel. Yeah, or the end of your life. Yeah, until you do, yeah. Yeah. So I kind of see where Jesse's coming from where it seems like he's like, if this guy dies, then I'm fucking free of my contract or whatever. Yeah, maybe there was some like, yeah, feudal thing that he's like agreed to or kind of contract binding thing. You're right. I forgot about that. And then he's like, so he's like, show show him the magic before he just starts beating this woman. And she uh, she wears this big collar, uh, almost like a boa 
uh, fla- what do you call it? Are those feathers? Boa feather looking collar that's made of uh, the leaves of the blue glowing flower, the bloom. And basically and, just that. <laughs> and thank you. Yeah, actually, yes. And a string. Just, she wears like a string thing around her stomach. Yeah, she's basically nude except for that. Some bone, some bone wear. And uh, she grabs one of the one of the petals off this flower and, and, and rubs it between her hands and drops it in a fire and the flames turn blue and she's just like like impressing a child doing some very shallow magic and enticing Lord Pyrantan to come over and look at this thing she's doing. And then wha-pam! She flips that fucking fire over into his fucking face. Awesome. Awesome moment number one. That's not going to buff out. That's not. Yeah. And it like must be oil or something in that in that little uh, torch. I don't know what the fuck that thing even was. The brazier. That dude. That dude's face just stays on fire. Yeah. Yeah. He. She must have like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There must have been like oil in it or something. She probably rubbed her nose. And or then coals, uh, got maybe, some oils like, on it, you know, and then did it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly, Patrick. I that's remember a, that's that. That's what now. I do. He had like really dry skin, you know, so it just went up. Exactly. Uh, That's how that works. I like Patton Oswalt's uh, performance here. Like he's playing a really shitty dude very well. Yeah, I was going to say a smarmy bitch. Mm -hmm. So Patton Oswalt does that voice really well. (laughs) It's like (laughs) it's probably I don't think he's a bad person at all. But I think that he does that character very well. <laughs> Agreed. And 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 I would like to put out into the universe. I think Patton Oswald is a pretty good fellow. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> John, John's canceled holding. tomorrow. John, John's John's sitting on some trove of information. Uh, I, I got a Oswald nuke I could drop on Patton Oswald, but I won't. Because, you know, it, it, it rhymes with schmitza schmate. If you uh, <laughs> can put follow the fucking breadcrumbs, everybody. Uh, <laughs> you have all the clues you need, Mr. Policeman. Mr. Policeman. So she burns Patton Oswald's fucking face and then gets thrown in prison. Um at the beginning of this, our scholar Galsor kind of seems uh, empathetic. Like in the woods, when all these people are getting slaughtered, he, I believe, intervenes and stands up for the and for he, the witch. He takes a hit so, too. He takes like an axe swing to the shoulder. Oh defending yeah, her. yeah, defending her. Yeah, you that's when they're already in front of the king or whatever. But yeah, yeah, in the swamp, you don't think that he's going to be the villain of this movie? <laughs> Not <laughs> you at see all. That. Yeah, he is. uh, So in this movie, scholars have their own little like private kingdom that's walled off from the rest of the people. And their only uh, seemingly only goal is to procure and save knowledge. And so when he sees the opportunity to gain knowledge that's uh, beyond like the written word, a thing that's literally magic, he tries to throw around any... uh, any power he has to be like, if you throw us, throw me in jail, like someone's going to come down and rain fucking hell on you. And, uh, doesn't really work. So he ends up in jail next to the witch and, uh, he begs her to use her power to help them get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she fucking does. And also I want to like, just shout out how disgusting and amazing the art was 
for Pyranton's fucked up face. Ooh. Like, oh, yeah. You can see the bone. You can see tendons, mostly muscle. One of his eyes, like, is popping out of his socket because there's, like, nothing left to hold it in. It's fucked up looking, and I love it. Oh, yeah. I forgot about how absolutely, like... Pizza face. Ju- yeah, he's like Two-Face if the bad part of his face was both sides of his face. You know when you eat a slice of pizza and you accidentally get too much cheese? <laughs> and then there's just and then- tomato sauce and bread left behind? That was his face. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's not what I thought. Like you were when you say. when you slide off extra cheese and yeah. then one of the slices. Yeah, I know. Like what you're you get a about. huge, like you get a huge iceberg of cheese off, a huge land mass of cheese off your slice of pizza, and then it's just like red wasteland of pizza. <laughs> that was his face. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Okay, yeah, actually, I st- I wasn't with you, and I stuck through it till the end. And yeah, you're right. That, I'm I'm horrified that that's what I'm going to think of every time I eat pizza now. <laughs> Well, now you just have to be really careful when you cut the cheese to make sure it's <laughs> Good thing totally I don't have separated. bread with like embedded eyeballs in it below the p- tomato sauce. <laughs> well, I think what you were getting to, Jesse, is that even though they do escape, that fucker Galsur turns on my girl. Piece of shit. Uh, immediately. The plot demands it. I mean, let's be honest. You're right. They're, you're, he can't, he can't be so, he can't be so good, especially when he was such a jerk to the uh, guardsmen going into the castle you knew that he wasn't like a good guy i feel like and so like I they thought just, he was it just lulled you into a false sense of security about like or false sense of like who this person was well, the whole time he's with uh Tzad, and then shows his true colors again after that so and pizza face comes down and he's like you know my dad always says pizza my face i'm gonna pizza your face and he's like but for you, I just burned down your whole swamp and everything you love. Look out of the jail cell bars. And he sure fucking did. And that's what, uh, when the scholar's like, dude, you gotta get the fuck out of here. Grabs one of her magic flower petals, rubs it between her hands, blows it out of the fucking uh, window, blows off the whole side of the prison cell. I did one of those off. things can I, do that? Like, holy I, fuck. <laughs> I didn't appreciate how, like, it's like, uh, Galger had to explain that to her like don't you have like super special flower petals around your neck she's like oh yeah you know what they can do they can bust me out of this prison I've been in for several days probably like I didn't realize that till you said that and I was like come on I I think I could hand wave it away like maybe she doesn't really have much of a reason to ever think oh can I make fireballs with these things but that the rage of that moment and him having said that made her realize like, Hey, maybe the shit can do like other stuff that oh, I never even thought know. of, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. True. True. I can uh, see that. I, I read that as, and it's interesting to hear all the ways we read this scene, but I read it almost as like, uh, she's an intrinsically peaceful person. And so that wasn't even a thing that came across her mind is like when there's a problem, that's not how you solve the problem. It's one of those, um, like, peaceful protest kind of thing so when he was like you you realize you are super strong right like you you could probably magic your way out of here she's like oh fuck Mm -hmm. yeah i forgot i normally like sit on the ground and like peace out like kumbaya this situation and i forgot i could just blow the fucking wall off this bitch yeah what i do is probably like 80 percent tripping dmt so there's not a lot of time for thinking about fireballs and stuff but now that you (laughs) mention it i probably could make a fireball Oh, yeah, and she heals his disgusting shoulder, too. Oh, I that forgot. was so cool how you mm-hmm. could see, like, the layer of fat in the wound. Yeah, she fucking baby Yoda's that motherfucker back yeah, to full she health. Does. 
Yeah. <laughs> she, she, she chicken tendies his shoulder back together. Yeah, lay on hands. You're going to fucking lay on these hands. And then he lays on them, them hands. And he immediately stabs her in the fucking chest and steals her flower power. Mm-hmm. As mm-hmm. the uh, king is uh, drowning in the lake. Yeah. With his pizza face. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, yeah, the king chases him down on horseback and then gets there and she like she wounds him, right? That's why he what falls down. What if she down. like cuts a horse in half or like flips no, his she, horse like, over or she, some like, shit? Disintegrates the horse mid stride and it like yeah, flips she him immolates over. it and then it disintegrates yeah. and he like eats shit and then she drowns him in the swamp with her magic. Yeah, yeah, that's fucking balling. And then and then she gets uh she gets stabbed by that jerk and he steals her. Uh, what is that thing called that like medieval people wore? That's like uh, it's like a placemat with a hole in it for your head. <laughs> that's what they wore. You know, that's what it is. It's like a placemat with flowers. That's what she wears around her neck. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna let you take that one all the way to the bank. I don't. <laughs> By the way, this was the part of the movie where I said, "Okay, I'm a hundred percent in," because this is not Fuck that yeah. far into the movie, and it's like, it's okay, in the we're rolling. Yeah, yeah we're yeah. rolling. And the, the dude, the animation for this movie is all it's weird as fuck, like super nice painted backgrounds for all the scenes. And then they're rotoscoping over top of it. And the rotoscoping is 2D colored in with no shading, which is something my girlfriend fucking pointed out. And man, that sure is a conscious decision they made to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also looked up. Ralph Bakshi's uh, Fire and Ice movie that I had brought up earlier, just to kind of have a comparison of what top-notch rotoscoping looked like from back in the day. Mm-hmm. Man, there's a big difference. Like, I would love for you guys to watch some of, like, what other rotoscoping looked like. Because I'm not super familiar with it. I know of it. I mostly know of it from video games. I'm about to do a whole rotoscoping, like, month on my own now to, to fully educate myself in this time period where I was not alive yet. But um, I don't... This, this rotoscoping seems rough around the edges, and I'm not sure how intentional that is. But... When I compared it to just the trailer for Fire and Ice, I was like, the precision I was seeing in that was, the entire time I was watching this movie, I was kind of like, is this animated bad? Is this kind of animated badly? And I just was like, oh, no, this is what it's supposed to look like. Yeah, I think it's a design design choice. Yeah, Yeah. it, it felt like a style choice to me, for sure. Yes, and I took me a while to accept that. Uh, So, Scholar stabs our witch boo Kills her, steals the bloom power, and then, you know, what happens? He becomes a tyrant. He's a evil, evil motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh, man, my... Oh, sorry, I almost skipped... I skipped one major part in between stealing bloom and becomes a tyrant. Oh, he when he's locked in jail? imprisoned in the t- the tippy top of a tower in jail by the rest of his scholars. Yeah, and he's when, just doing like fucked up blood magic basically at the library and yeah. he gets this like crazy book that has some kind of spell in it and he's like I'm going to need a fuck ton of blood for this. Yeah, our main antagonist, nope. Our main protagonist, get out grandma, uh, is our conduit inside this uh, this new city, and we get to see her coming back with a 
uh, carts and carts full of books and they have guards protecting these books from the starving like citizens of the surrounding town who like seem to completely hate them and do not fathom like what the fuck these people are even doing and reasonable like there are people inside the in inside this uh the library, the city of books that are like, we could help these people. We could teach these people. We could share knowledge and creepy, creepy grandmaster of knowledge. Um, the, they referred to him as the prophet of doom. First of all, those little finger things. Those are cool. I didn't understand the point of them, but I guess, I don't know. It doesn't matter. They're cool. Ju- just to be cool. Yeah. This, uh, if it's like he looks like an uh one of those old old aliens from fucking Halo called it's not the Arbiter but uh the floaty Patrick I'm I'm looking at you mm, I know what you're talking about and I don't remember uh he looks like one of those guys but a human aren't and they called static. Arbiters I think they no are. that's that's the dude who works for them um the I'm gonna know this they're like less. they're like snailhead people things a hundred percent. Oh god! What are, are they called? called the prophets? prophets. Jesus fucking god. Christ! It's so obvious. I'm glad now. Yeah. The, the the prophet of doom from this movie did not trigger the word prophet <laughs> for these Halo the prophets, villains. Yeah, uh, he looks like one of them, but a Caucasian guy. Um, and he wears two foot metal fingies on the tips of uh two of his little fingies on both hands, and points them at books like uh like he's reading the Torah, and it's visually striking. But he is also <laughs> a dickhead. Yeah. He's basically just like, they can't read, so fuck them. They can all die. We'll be fine. We, we're going to endure. We got all these books. We're going to translate them. We're going to archive them. Blah, blah, blah. It'll be great. I hate him. Oh, and, he's the worst. You know, <laughs> I kind of wish somebody would have murdered his ass. Like, um, well, yeah, he kind of does get murdered. No, well, I mean he, like a long time ago though. Like oh, how old right. is this fucking guy? Like someone should have fucking killed this guy like 20 years ago. Yeah. That's he doesn't get saying. his comeuppance until it's probably too late for a lot of people. For sure. Yeah. It's weird. It is that. Yeah. He's like almost the penultimate boss. In I mean, this movie, he's like, he, he gave me a uh, emperor Palpatine vibes for this whole movie. Especially the ending with him. <laughs> For sure. Like, we're we're jumping around a little bit, but the part where he is talking to Galser and he's like, I'll give you the blood that you need. And in exchange, you'll share that power with me, right? And and Galser is like, share it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was oh, I like, bro, you are so like. You don't make fucked. deals with people you've imprisoned like against their will, you know. That's never going to turn out well. Yeah. Especially not like when you're like, I'll give you that unlimited power that only you can access <laughs> as long as you share a little bit with me. Don't double cross me. Yeah. And they're like pinky swear. All forgiven, right? <laughs> uh, so, you know, like we'll just forget about the I locked you in a tower with a ball and chain literally against your will for years. Like, that's cool, right? Yeah, we're good, right? And he was like, also, though, don't get it twisted. I'm not going to let you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was a little bit ridiculous to me, man. That whole the whole thing with him. And I was like, why does I mean, there are people that get blinded by their perceived 
like cleverness, I guess, and how how what they think of themselves. So I can see that happening, but in the movie, it just seems like so unbelievable to me still that I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I buy that happening. What about um, you guys? I see what you're saying, but also I think, I mean, you kind of answered the question when you were just talking about how some people just think they're way more clever than they really are. They get tricked. And then also he was, he's old as fuck. It and they have no comprehension of real magic. I mean, also like, probably didn't realize how powerful that shit was. I mean, it, it it's almost a vehicle for his death scene is what I was thinking. It's like it makes his uh, downfall more satisfying because if he was like a person that you could relate to, then like he wouldn't be like a kind of a villain at this part of the movie. Right. It wouldn't make mm-hmm. his downfall really that interesting. Um, Agreed. Yeah, Agreed. he's not like because Gal Sir was he did a heel turn, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you thought he was a baby face at first, and then he turned, and you're like, "Oh shit, you're a f- I hate you." Mm-hmm. This guy is just mm-hmm. bad from the beginning. We always mm-hmm. hate him the whole time. Yeah. Bubba bad to the bone, <laughs> and Bubba a He does kind of start Emperor Palpatining around, like immediately as soon as he gets any bit of power, he's Emperor Palpatine. He even yeah. like grows his uh, <laughs> when he grows and gets on the roof. Apparently, he just grew his uh, whatever that thing is called the robe. The robe that and was the, so funny. And then he like cuts it off below his feet, and he still has that cool trim, that gold trim that was on his robe <laughs> that stays. And I was like, oh, he just drew the he just grew the red part. Yeah, that's he's super that's a, magic. That's a he baller can look move. Fabulous as fuck. <laughs> I thought he grew he his legs. I was like, oh, he's just like hundred feet tall right now. But no, it was just the fabric. I think he was basically flying, but he made an illusion to make it look like his robe was growing. Mm-hmm. You know, like he totally. was, he was mm-hmm. just being a stunt queen, essentially. He was. Yeah, and I, I think this is really when the movie like hits its stride. All things start to fire on all cylinders. Like there's there's not any more kind of beating around the bush with where this is going. And so we have a guy locked in a tower. Actually, step back one step from that. We we had the cart of books brought in. They see one book in there that looks so special. It's written in a language they've never seen before. That's when Emperor Palpatine takes this book up to his prisoner in the tower and is like, how magic is this? I can't even understand this. Is this one of those things you've been looking for? And he was like, yes, this is powerful magic. I'm going to need much more blood for this. And he uses his feathers to mind control like a couple dozen people to come into the kingdom to sacrifice them for a blood ritual, which then he empowers Emperor Palpatine while also empowering himself. And that's when we get our first glimpse of what this bloom does. And Galsor has his giant eye open in his chest and you see like stars and galaxies and space within the eye and his eye, like real eyes start to glaze over. And it seems just like the majesty of the universe is starting to unravel itself within him. And that's, we slowly start to learn from that point forward, what the bloom does to people, um, which is offering knowledge. Um, It literally is, granting you the understanding of like your place in the universe and for different kinds of people, this knowledge seems to 
either entice them or scare them or motivate them to turn into the best or the worst kind of person. And uh, we have this big Emperor Palpatine fight. I don't even remember how the fuck that ends. Does well, he just get I, murdered? I wanted to add mm-hmm. that Gal Sur actually grows a giant eyeball on his belly at one point. That's that's and, what transfers the power over. Exactly. To, uh, and yeah. Exactly. And that's what the old guy looks at. He looks at the eyeball and he's like, Oh fuck! And <laughs> what if he said, "Aye, aye, Captain," and then that's how he got his power? <laughs> Be fucking awesome! Yeah, I, I don't want to jump the gun like too much, but this is this whole thing is very, uh, what what's the guy, the Cthulhu guy, Lovecraft, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, Lovecraft, yes, Lovecraftian. All of this yeah. feels Lovecraftian. It's very heavy right. metal to me. Heavy metal Lovecraftian. That's basically what this is to me. Yep. So yeah, I was saying that giant eye opens on the tummy, and then you see stars and galaxies and the universe, and that's what kills Palpatine, right? No, that's what gives him his power, but then... Oh, that's what gives him his power? Yeah, that's what gives him his how power. How does Palpatine die? Remind me how Palpatine dies. Because he's on the roof with... Um, uh, with Our Lady. What's her face? It, it was basically just Gal Sur came online. Like he needed some time to download all those like terabytes or whatever. And when he was done, he was like, all right, cut you off. You're dead. I'm good to go. But, okay. But no, it wasn't that uh, Gal Sur killed him. It was the other person. Right. And she like came into her own. Right. That's what I thought. Cause she's on the roof with him. Isn't she? No, I don't. Yeah, I feel like like an eye opens up in like space and like sucks him in or something. I don't think she actually accomplished almost anything. It was no, like she, the universe yeah. protected her, yeah. Or the eye protected her, yeah. Because she had more no, work I, to do. I, I think that was Galser. <laughs> Protecting he her just, and killing him? Just He just pulled the plug on that dude because he was done with him. Oh. Um, The Guardian. The skull. At the top of the mountain. We learn. Because this movie dips in... So, the movie dips in and out of... This is like a story that Zot is telling this guardian because she was like, this thing happened. I ended up in jail. I got murdered. And the guardian's like, what do you mean you got murdered? And she's like, just f- keep up with the story, man. Cause you'll end up learning how I got back here. Don't you worry. <laughs> uh, and so it dips in and out of her with this solemn ancient warrior as she peacefully like tells him this story and is kind of changing his mindset of, of the time he spent because this guardian after experiencing the bloom, dedicated the rest of his life to guarding it and making sure no other man would take it because he was worried that it would corrupt them and cause something as evil and fucked up as what has just occurred in this movie. So at the beginning of like space and time, there were these giant like celestial guardians and one of them created man, mankind. Um, uh, one of these humans like daughters dies and he goes to the God and is like, could you please bring my daughter back from the dead? And he says, no, like I don't even give a fuck. And that started this just like hatred towards the gods where this one man led like a coordinated strike to kill all of the gods with his human brethren that skull that that last flower is growing in is the skull of the last guardian who was alive and them 
being born of the universe is like these these blooms contain the knowledge that they had as children of the universe and as creators um and then let's let's see does uh trying to remember the guardian because there's there's multiple guardians i'm trying to remember if he was related to the people who killed all the gods or not the guardian that just came along way later you know but they do say that he's the one that uh wait did they say that each one each guardian just learns what the bloom is and then defends it but i can't remember if he had like a bigger role than he's just the current guardian yeah, I did think that he was um, the mongrel from the beginning of the movie, the whole time. So I was like, they got, but they both got green eyes. Maybe he came around, but I was wrong. Or am I? They I don't actually or, spell it or out. Are you? Yeah, that's the question. Right. Um, I, I I hate to jump the gun if I am Jesse, but when they talk about the other guardians, what they talk about is. The fact that this bloom having come from this god who created man also contains like (laughs) like the relationship between creator and created it's like an unbroken chain that goes backwards from before the sons who created people there was someone who created them and someone who created them and Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. this bloom unlocks that secret that you can actually like look through the past and see the unbroken chain gods creating gods creating gods yeah it's kind of like this cool riff on like the prometheus story and creation itself yeah 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 because it was like one of those gods like this it's um the one of so it's like these gods were created by an even greater god and the skull of one of those greater gods is what formed the world and the first bloom Yes. Um, yeah. And, and sorry. And like you said, there's uh, so they, they learn that knowledge and each of the guardians learns this and dedicates the rest of their lives to protect this from getting out. They've concluded that this knowledge is unbearable and would just bring like doom onto man. Um, Do you guys agree with that? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> They're just different gatekeepers than the uh, evil librarian guy that we saw, you know? Mm-hmm. So they think it is, but are they right? It broke them, or it didn't really break them. It just changed their whole outlook on life to be like, I have to protect people from this, but they don't know. They're just assuming. Well, if you think about it, probably, no, almost definitely before the whole war between like God and created or God and man or whatever, the humans were probably aware of the God's existence. So there was no need for the bloom and there wasn't any reason they couldn't have coexisted together. It was just that that one guy was kind of a dick and it was like, bring my daughter back. And they were like, uh, no. And then he was like, well, I'm going to genocide you then. Like, because you said no to me, I'm going to kill all your people. You won't bring me back the one thing I love more than life itself. Yeah. And we must presume the created continue. So part of this is that like, not just there are gods that created gods that created gods, but within that, that the created always kill their creator. And I think that is one of the things that is feared of about part of this. Um, and then also like the, that the blooms 
I'm not, I, I wonder if that guardian beyond the acid trip existential crisis it gives you, if he comprehends that this is like magical power because besides the, uh, besides which Zot, nobody else knew, seemed to know of or be able to control magic or like she's the only one who uses the bloom for magic. Um, I wasn't sure if the guardians also, cause it, if you, if you think that it's going to unlock this secret of created killing their creator and then also understand that the bloom gives you the power to become a creator, then that's just a full all in one problem. Uh, but don't you need everybody to know that so that you can actually become gods and create something they need the Double. bloom. They need the bloom to spread, but they don't. They don't need the actual people to die, right? They just need the bloom to continue somehow, right? Well, no, I think they need to become a god so that they can create something else. But like, we are jumping forward. But at the or I'm jumping forward. But at the end of the movie, you see the animated skull of a uh, Zod, right? I think it's the Zod mm-hmm. skull is the very end, right? Yes. It's flying up and every, everyone dies, basically. <laughs> and then you see the skull kind of like disintegrate all the flesh and everything and some bones. And then it's like kind of in the screen for a second. Then it goes black and you're like, oh, this is the cycle starting over again. And it doesn't matter that no one's around. It's just like it will somehow start again or none of those people are around, but there's people other places probably. And then the bloom is scattered again. So it's like it almost doesn't matter who finds it, but the bloom maybe turns those people into gods uh, eventually, right? With the knowledge that they get kind of like the guardian, yeah. like the guardian lives a much longer time than is probably normal for that person. And then they get all that knowledge and it transforms them into like, you know, Indiana Jones and the last crusade type people. But uh, type. That, that's kind of how I think about it too, where like the guardian and Zod both died and maybe they didn't become gods immediately, but like, if you think about their consciousness as being stored on the bloom, yeah, like it's saved there, that at some point, like someone else will come along and develop it more or whatever, over. and eventually that consciousness will become what we would call a god. Yeah. A I wonder movie. if like experiencing the bloom then makes you someone who can create bloom from death. That's kind of like the... I, that's where I can kind of relate to the Guardians a little bit. It's like it creates this. No, I don't know if it's creates word, but it gives you knowledge of like maybe the power. I don't know if they get the power to do anything besides the knowledge. They just, I think they just get knowledge of power, right? So that's what they're afraid of passing on to every person willy nilly, right? I'm not even sure now. I need to rewatch this movie because. There, to me, there seems like a, a weird distinction between how few people we see that can harness the power of this bloom. Because the shallow part of it is just the acid trip realization of all this like deep eternal knowledge. But that that wasn't implicitly stated that that makes you magical. Because like it seems like there's the guardian took it and isn't using magic to protect right. it. There's different levels or different almost different familiarities with it because the swamp woman <laughs> I don't want to call her swamp woman Tzad, from the swamp people like they have some kind of like native knowledge of like the bloom and its powers and kind of history of it that they've probably passed down right then mm-hmm. there's the like the uh, 
acolyte or whatever you want to call the Galzur, the sorcerer type person that has a different subset of knowledge that's not as deep as the swamp people's, right? Because he doesn't know actually how, how to use it. He just knows of it and knows of some of its power. And then you have people like the Guardian that have a different taste of it and they, they know it from a different aspect. But they all combined maybe can like form like the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Uh, what's that robot called? You know, like the Megazord, Megazord of the uh, of the Bloom, the Bloom Power. <laughs> also I, in the middle of this movie, a bunch of like sexy assassins with skulls on their heads tries to kill. That, uh, that was Palpatine. a distraction. That was a distraction. Yeah. Yeah, that did not fucking work. One bit. But what were we gonna say, John? Uh we're going over, and this was about something from twenty minutes ago, so I'm just gonna let it go. Go for it. Go for it, John. <laughs> go for it. Who cares now? Uh who cares? That's right, Patrick. No, it was way back when uh old man went full palpatine and mm. there was the one guy who was talking to the lady from Get Out. And he was like, if they come in here, I'm going oh, to the murder their asses. No, no. The, I think he was a blonde guy with a sword. He was like a soldier. Oh, right. Like her her buddy, her like knights yeah. or uh, city guard buddy. Yeah. And then all those people get mind controlled and a bunch of people run in the gates and he just fucking massacres all of them. That was unexpected oh, yeah. to me. Yeah, and he's he's like, not mind controlled. I don't think. I think no, he's just no. doing that. None of the and city. Yeah, the, the whole point was that the city guard was going to create the blood that the guy needed, right? Yeah, yeah. And which I keep going. So, <laughs> I, I I might have actually forgot what I was going to say. Hold up. Uh, just keep talking, John. It'll come to you. No, I I feel <laughs> like those I, wheels. I, I I feel like it will. <laughs> um. Oh, so he kills all the people from town, and then. What's his name goes full Palpatine and this dude is like, stop your necromancy or I'll kill you. And then he gets one shot and I'm like, you stupid bitch. You yeah. did this without yeah. you being such a asshole. Yeah. This couldn't have happened. Yeah. What do you mean? Stop your necromancy. So you knew the whole time you were murdering townsfolk <laughs> that this was necromancy and you did it anyway. Like, ah, oh, this blade requires blood. <laughs> <laughs> And we, yeah, we also didn't dick. elaborate on how visceral and bloody all of the, the fighting movie, were. The entire yeah, movie. We're, <laughs> exactly. We're like, oh, his shoulder looked cool when it got cut open. We did talk about Two-Face's face. That's all just the bad side of his face. But this scene, dude, Whole they're face. just cleaving motherfuckers in half. Like organs flying everywhere. Blood spurting. All the hits are like meaty and hard. Like I winced a lot watching this and I'm like cuddling with my girlfriend or whatever watching this and I'm just like flinching and wincing <laughs> I, I think she's didn't know that that was gonna affect me like that I'm just imagining like if any of this got to be work from home <laughs> it's like you're drawing the animation especially the end from Galzor when he gets sliced in half oh I fuck, I fucking took notes and I didn't even read any of them but um, one of the ones I remembered was uh, the ending with Galzul Galzul? That's the bad guy. Galzur. Galzur, sorry. Galzur, uh, Galzur's uh, fateful end when he gets um, cut from head to mid-spine. It just reminded me of like a Francisco de Goya painting come to life, you know? like Or come to animated life, I guess. Like he had those horrible paintings. Look him up, podcast listener. Looking Look him up. up. Look him you up. Have homework. Look up it's Frank look up. Frazetta and who? Francisco de, de Goya. Uh, sketches war sketches i think is what they're called something like that from they're horrible 
But the, the, some of these scenes look straight, pulled straight from those kind of things. They're fucking wild. If you want to see say, some fucked up shit, you should watch this movie. It was pretty cool at the end when Zod did the, uh, she also did necromancy and like brought all mm-hmm. the previous gardens back, guardians back. That was cool. Yes. And then, and then, yeah, and then Galzor tried his magic and it was like, ain't going to work on these dead folk, baby. Yeah. So as we, we had brought up, this movie is, uh, Zot telling the current guardian at the flower in the skull, the story of her dying and coming back to life. And it ends with her telling him the story and being like, now you're caught up to present day. And Palpatine is on his way here right now, just so you know. And that's where Patrick was talking about fucking Palpatine shows up. She uses necromancy to raise all the previous guardians from the dead. And they start fighting Galsor. And it is fun. Uh, the, the, The butcher, the... Uh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, they, they almost end up being a distraction for her to land the death blow on Galsor. And with that, I think that was a giant explosion and she's incinerated by the release of how much like magic power is used. And that's when her skull flies off her body and, and, and floats into space. And she oh, might be and, a god uh, the bloom, The bloom seed falls down from the sky and we know that at least one more flower will grow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I forgot, like, she, so the fucking Guardian is, like, pretty defensive with her and slowly warms up to her and lowers his guard until her talking through this all with him makes him question what he has dedicated his life to in the first place. But by the end, he's like, I guess I can, like, rest in peace now and lays down and she, like, kisses him on the forehead and he breathes his last breath and dies. And I was like, that was sweet. I like that. And then she murders everyone and becomes a god and dies. The, the end. end. Nice. Yeah. If any of this made sense to you, I don't know how it did. Is anyone still listening? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if it sounded interesting, go watch that movie and then come back and then listen to this and then go watch the movie again. I think I need to go watch it like right now. You know what? There's actually a, uh, a blood funnel in this movie, Jesse. Oh, there fuck is that? there's literally a blood funnel in this movie. That's my other oh, note. I forgot about that. You're so right. Yep. They copied us. Well, they copied you. We we inceptioned it. Are we going to talk about our ratings? We are going to talk about our ratings. We're going to do ratings and review for The Spine of Night. Patrick, lead us off. Hmm. What do you think about this here movie? This movie retroactively has given me more to think about than it did at the beginning. Um. But so let's see. So goods, I'm going to give it five out of seven goods. I'm going to get it uh, seven out of seven weirds. It's pretty weird. And I'm going to give it weird alert. I'm going to give it five out of seven greats. I think it's it's pretty good. It's a little not focused some points of the movie. And I think there's a stronger story to tell if it had focused more on just the uh, Zod and the Guardian, honestly, I thought was pretty interesting. Galzul's or Galsur's pretty good villain too. So I think there's more of a story in there that could be more focused and better told than it was without the bird people uh, sidetrack. But pretty good movie. Mm, I agree. I agree. The bird people kind of wondering what their function was now. Um, John, what'd you think about this here crazy fucking movie? I can't believe we watched. 
Um, the bird people did not need to exist. I do appreciate the bird people because while most of them did die, one of them actually did cut Galser a little bit. And that that's pretty impressive, I guess. This was the best Avatar The Last Airbender fan fiction movie I've ever seen. The fuck? And for that, I will give it a really good score. I mean, yeah, it was it was well done. It was well executed, well produced, good style, good performances. No real complaints. So I think what I'm going to do is seven good, seven weird, and six great. Holy shit. I'm just... I can't believe you guys are just so along for this ride. I almost was worried what you were going to think about this by the time we finished. Also, I'm pleasantly surprised. I should have said this, so I apologize for cutting back in, but it was my perfect length for a movie. It was an hour and a half long movie. Perfect. No notes. That's John's go-to and Jesse's go-to length of movie. No, I think it's just John's, right? It's just me. Yeah, just John. Okay. I, 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 I lean both. I'm, I'm movie bisexual where I'm super, I love tight 90 minute movies. I also love Oppenheimer's three hour movies, Yeah, but you got to like really pick one or the other. Like you either have enough for a three hour movie or you super fucking don't. And you need to cut that shit down to 90 minutes. If this was three hours, I'd have to be stoned out of my mind to watch it. <laughs> huh? I was, <laughs> I'd have um, to be on LSD to watch this movie if it was three hours long. Jesus Christ, your brain would break and you would never come out of the psychosis. I'd probably still be in the movie theater right now. (laughs) Yeah. The teeth! The teeth! Um, For me, uh, I'm just pleasantly surprised I got to watch this with all y'all, honestly. Um, Seven out of seven, good. Eight out of seven, weird. Five out of seven, great. This movie, off the fucking charts, dude. Weird. Weird. Weird, 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 weird. <laughs> like, I thought this was going to be another Mandy. And Mandy's, like, cool. But Mandy, for me, is still a struggle to, like, hold my attention the entire movie. There's just some vibe that it gives off that, like, I admit, I, I put this movie above Mandy. And that that's that's where I'll end this, is I was surprised that that's where this left off. Um, I would have loved Nicolas Cage to be in this movie. Missed but opportunity. All any movie that doesn't have Nicolas Cage in it is a missed opportunity to have Nicolas Cage in it. Uh, thank you all for joining us on this wonderful, lovely rotoscoped episode of Good, Weird, Great. If you want to get a hold of us, we have an email address. What's that email address, John? Good, Good weird, great, weird, great at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah, it fucking is. And. Patrick, if anybody wanted to find you on the internet, where could they find you? Uh, they could never find me, but if they wanted to find Jesse Wind, how could they find you on Twitter, oh, aka X? Don't call it that. Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, because God, why am I still on that? Uh, Jesse underscore Wind. I'm temporarily off of Instagram because I was on it so much that it was affecting my function as a, an adult in society. Uh, John, where can people find you if they want to find you? Uh, if you wanted to find me, you would have already. Denied. Denied. And until next time, when you're lost in the snowy mountains, <laughs> get a jacket. Chew your blue spinach, lay. Cover your pussy.
Wear pants. <laughs> Find your pants. Find your pants, everybody. Your titties and your pussies out. Get them covered. <laughs> uh, look for the skull. Mountain, mountain. God damn it. Yeah. Uh, hey, if you're still with us, I'm so glad uh, Ray- we fucking skipped the the bird people. That was like the funniest choice okay, to just be I- like they don't exist. <laughs> <laughs>